The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. Hi, this is Mia Mohsen Zia, also known as Mia No Time for Love. Check out my latest book, Missing, available in print and ebook formats on Amazon. It's now time for the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios and sponsored by international award-winning author Mia Mohsen Zia of Missing. The Mike Wagner Show can be heard on over 40 podcast platforms, as well as HamiltonRadio.net, Diamonds FM, and TheMikeWagnerShow.com. We can be heard in over 100 countries, featuring over 1,000 well-known and amazing guests throughout the globe, and named one of the top 100 global podcasts in the New York Weekly Times, Hollywood Entertainment News, Los Angeles Weekly Times, Apple, and Chartable. So sit back and relax and enjoy another great episode of the award-winning Mike Wagner Show. Hey everybody, it's Mike for the Mike Wagner Show. Powered by SonicWeb Studios. Visit online at SonicWebStudios.com for all your needs. And brought to you by our official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Mulsons The Missing, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. We're here with a terrific gentleman who is an attorney, science teacher, and a two-time national best-selling uh, New York Times best-selling author. He co-authored the Plague series, which is the Plague Plague of Corruption and the Ending Plague with Dr. Judy Mikovits and uh, Dr. Francis Um. Rush, we'll talk about that, and you'll see unofficial biographer of the Project Veritas um, Whistleblowers, and um, also the author of 14 books, four of which became national bestsellers, and his new book is a rare behind-the-scenes insight into the science and politics of, yes, the virology community and big tech involvement that dis- dis- disseminate the American public, and it is presidential takedown, and how Anthony Fauci, the CDC, had basically the NAH and the WHO conspired to overthrow President Trump. And <laughs> he's showing out the book here. And live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Plus Studios in beautiful Northern California, the author of Presidential Takedown with Dr. Paul Elias Alexander and um, two-time New York uh, best-selling author, ladies and gentlemen, the multi-talented Kent Heckenlively. Kent, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. What's well, great to have you on board, Ken. So um, you're you're an attorney, science teacher, and two-time New York uh, Times uh, best-selling author. You also co-author the Plague series. You also um, yeah, collaborate with Dr. Judy Mikovits and also unofficial biographer of the Project of Veritas uh, Whistleblowers Project. You're author of 14 books. Four became national bestsellers. And you have a brand new book, which is a rare behind-the-scenes insight into the science and politics of the virology community and the big tech involvement that disseminates the American public, which is basically the presidential takedown, the brand new book, how Anthony Fauci, the CDC, NIH, and the WHO conspired to overthrow President Trump. Before getting all that, Kent, tell us how I first got started. Well, you know, I've always wanted to be be a writer. That's uh, something I wanted to be since I was 13 years old. Uh, When I was 14 years old, I sent my first uh, science fiction story way to Analog Magazine for those remember that story. And um, wow. so, so I, I also spent many years trying to be a screenwriter. And uh, eventually in 2011, I met Dr. Judy Mikovits and I realized that her story would be great for a book. And when she got in trouble, as I predicted she would, she called me up and said, okay, it's time to write that book. And so since that, that time, it's just been 
one whistleblower after another. I, I feel like I'm becoming the whistleblower guy. So when these people have amazing stories, uh, the publishers call me up and say, hey, Kent, do you want to take this one on? Which is exactly what happened with Presidential Takedown. My uh, publisher, Tony Lyons over at Skyhorse Press, called me up and said, hey, I got a story for you. And, and I said, okay, what is it? And he says, it's Dr. Paul Elias. Alexander, who was the senior pandemic advisor to the COVID-19 task force because he had a background in evidence-based medicine and because he was trying to bring actual science to the COVID-19 task force. After about five and a half months, they, uh, they figured out a way to kick him out and, um, and ruin his reputation. And so I'm the guy that they, gets brought in kind of like Mr. Wolf in Pulp Fiction to uh, <laughs> clean things up and, and uh, tell the real story. Mm. And, and certainly does as well, too, get more into that. And what was that one precise moment that simply influenced you into what you're doing for the rest of your career? Uh, you know, I, I have a, a child with autism who's vaccine injured. And mm. so when I saw that happen so dramatically, um, I, I knew I would lose friends and family members who, who uh kind of bought the the reigning narrative that that uh, vaccines don't have anything to do with autism and and as this kind of fake news epidemic has uh, has taken over the world I always say that I, I feel like the autism community was patient zero of this fake news epidemic and and so I, I, I knew a lie when I heard it you know uh, as an attorney we're trained to ask questions and listen for answers and one of the things that's been most dramatic in my books with Dr. Judy Mikovits is that uh, you know, she had published in the journal Science uh, with her groundbreaking discovery of a virus linked to chronic fatigue syndrome and probably autism. And you know, she has become probably one of the most vilified people in the world, probably after Dr. Andrew Wakefield. And um, you know, the thing that that we don't see is we don't see people attacking our books on the merits, on, on our, our questioning about uh, where these viruses came from, how uh, people are becoming sick. It's just they, they do ad hominem attacks on Dr. Mikovits. And, uh, you know, I, I was also fortunate enough to have a, a bit of a hand in putting together that 26-minute pandemic uh, in, uh, interview with Dr. Mikovits, which ended up being seen by more than a billion people. So um, it, it's, it's been a, a wild ride, but uh, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm just one of those straight arrow kind of guys. And so when you lie to me, I get mad. And, and when, <laughs> when I, I promise to tell the truth, sir, I promise to tell the truth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I am just about as straight arrow a guy as you're ever going to meet. And, and so, you know, as I put these books together, I mean, I make some provocative, you know, assertions. I, I, I you know, I, I think I'm really good in, um, you know, backing up what I say with my citations. I mean, usually in my books, there's anywhere from 250 to 750 footnotes in my books, and so, so I've, I've done, I've done my homework, and then I make my assertions and I ask my questions. And what happens is there's this enormous silence back from the other side. You know, with the assertions that I've made, if I was a liar, 
I should have been sued like 50 or 100 times by now. Nobody has ever sued me for defamation uh, for making some, some really very serious charges about leading figures in science. And so, you know, I'm just going to keep writing my books. And, uh, you know, sometimes they hit big like they did with uh, Plague of Corruption. And, you know, and, uh, you know, other times with my Project Veritas whistleblowers, I mean, uh, I've done two books, Google Leaks and Behind the Mask of Facebook. I would have expected those books to really take off. Um, I've got a third book coming out with my Project Veritas whistleblowers next February called This Was CNN. Uh, it goes behind the, new, the scenes of the cable news giant. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the guy who gets brought in to take these stories, fashion them. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I will say is that with my 14 books, I've got over 10,000 Amazon customer reviews. I'm at an average of about 4.7 out of five stars. So, you know, any, anybody who's published a book knows that uh, when you publish a book, maybe you can get, you know, your mom and your uncle to give you a five-star review, but that's about <laughs> it. And, and so uh, these books have been widely read. When they have been read, they have, uh, you know, uh, people love them. They, they, they say that I, I open their eyes to something and, and I do it in a, a manner which is really looking at the system of corruption rather than, you know, the individuals of the moment. Mm -hmm. I can see what you're saying, too. And what intrigued me about the book uh, Behind the Mask of Facebook, of course, you know, there have been some problems. Of course, there's the algorithms. Of course, you know, there's all the um the false reports and everything else and the divisions going on and maybe just a bit about it. And um, how, have you covered the uh, algorithm, um, you know, principle in Facebook or is that all made up or is that more of a conspiracy? That's what I was curious about. Well, what was really interesting in the Facebook story is that I wrote it with a whistleblower named uh, Ryan Hartwig, and he was a content moderator. And, you know, like me, he was kind of a straight arrow. I mean, he'd been, you know, worked a lot of security jobs before that. You know, he he had a, a degree in Spanish language and, and was a, a fluent Spanish speaker. And um, even though he had blonde hair, blue-eyed, perfect Spanish speaker. And, you know, he was originally hired at Facebook to moderate the, um, the Latin American feed because there was a lot of uh, the cartels were using Facebook to show pictures of them murdering Mexican police officers or, or torturing people. And they wanted that off. And so, you know, he, he was told basically his job as a content moderator was to go after the cartels and keep kitty porn and, and, you know, porn off of the site. And, and there was like a mission creep at, at Facebook. And I, I think it's really important to understand that. For example, one of the things in that story was that Facebook came up with this policy that you couldn't call anybody filth, okay? And you say, oh, okay, well, you know, it's on a public platform, you know, that's that's kind of nice. Uh, you know, if I go out in public and somebody calls me filth, you know, he might get punched in the face. So not a bad idea. Well, then the exceptions started creeping in. So, so during Gay Pride Month, it was allowed that if you were gay, you could call somebody who is straight filth if they didn't agree with your agenda. And you know, you, you, you find this, 
it constantly starts shifting and it always shifts in a certain direction. And, you know, they had the same thing with policy of, about nudity, you know, no women's breasts. But when the lesbians started protesting during Gay Pride Month by walking around topless, they figured, oh, that's that's uh, that's free speech. We got to show that. Um, and then there were just multiple examples of, uh, you know, you, you could you could call somebody a Trump humper, um, but you couldn't call somebody a libtard. And, and so, you know, all these sorts of things. I mean, I, I kind of felt like I was back in the 1960s with Lenny Bruce, you know, in terms of like the the the, the 10 words you can never say. on Oh, television. yes. And then he got the seven words of George Carlin. I remember yeah. those. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of funny, you know, because because my co-author on that was he's a Mormon guy. And, you know, there's me, the straight arrow, and there's the Mormon guy. And we're talking about like, oh, well, which curse words can be allowed? Which curse <laughs> words cannot be allowed? Um, and, and, you know, it, it's it's really sort of um, disheartening because, you know, what he had done was he had originally come up with 17 things that he thought were violations of, of their policy and, and not conducive to, you know, free society. He sends this letter off to you know, a whole bunch of, of politicians gets no response whatsoever. And, and then, you know, he contacts Project Veritas and and goes, you know, secretly records all of these crazy conversations with people, which, uh, you know, uh, it ha has become all too common. And, you know, th there's this um, interesting phrase that's being used now called narrative poisoning. Yes, and, and I, I think I've think, heard something about that. And, and I think that's really a good way of thinking about it because, you know, I, I live in California. I'm, I'm kind of surrounded by liberals, right? You mm -hmm. know, they, liberals are wonderful people, you know? They, they care about a lot, but, you know, in some things they just get nutty. And this whole idea that, of, that they've been poisoned by this narrative that they genuinely believe, I mean, you know, here I am supposed to be this fire-breathing, conservative author but you know i'm really one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet i give you a shot oh, no question yeah and, and so there really is this narrative poisoning that's gone on and um i i kind of feel like all of my books are kind of uh looking at various aspects of narrative poisoning whether it's in science or big tech and you know this presidential takedown is really in politics because you know, he's, he's got some amazing stories. And, and, you know, if I can share a couple stories from the book, um, you know, one of the things that that got that basically got him fired was that he was arguing in August and September of 2020 that kids should be back in school. OK, and so mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he he always abundantly documents everything that's in our book. And so he sent me, you know, the emails that he was exchanging with members of the COVID-19 task force. He, he shows how he's got, um, you know, all of, all of these studies of kids and things saying, you know, and basically it's, it's kind of interesting scientifically, which is the COVID-19 uh, virus, um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus enters the cell through something called the ACE2 receptor. Mm -hmm. But the ACE2 receptor has to be open in order for that virus to get in. It's almost, think of it like a flower that a 
it needs to be open for the bee to land on it to get the pollen, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the ACE2 receptor is not active in children. So what that means is that, you know, they may test positive for it. Their viral load is extremely low. They don't get sick. You know, they may not even know they have it. And it's not a problem. And, you know, it's understandable why in the beginning, say March, April, you know, the schools got closed down because they didn't really know what this virus was. Um, they thought it was going to be like influenza, which does spread throughout the young and can be very serious. But in August and September of 2020, it was pretty clear that it did not. And so one of the things that they, that, um, that happened was that he was very aggressive in sending these letters out, you know, saying that Dr. Fauci needs to understand this. I'm happy to meet with him anytime. And what happened probably about um, a week or two after that was that there were a number of uh, scientists from the CDC who were visiting Washington, D.C. They met with Paul and they said, you know, we've heard you on all these Zoom meetings. We really like what you're saying. You, you do follow the science. Um, but we have to tell you that you have embarrassed Fauci. Hmm. And, and Fauci has made the decision that you will be fired. Really? And he said, and he said well, is there anything I can do? You know, I, I'm happy to go meet with them. Apologize to his face. I'm happy to, um, you know, write an email to everybody who got the original email saying, I'm sorry if my tone was wrong, uh, you know, anything. And, and they said, no, the decision has already been made. They're going to cut your balls off and you just have to be ready for it to happen. Oh we really gosh. like you. And we just think you should know this is coming. Mm. And, and, you know, I found myself going like, you know, I'm so deeply offended by that because, you know, I believe in rationality. I believe in the scientific process. You know, I'm, I'm a science teacher. Okay. Mm. This is, you know, the, for the past 15 years, I've been a science teacher. I was 15 years before that. I was, I was an attorney, but there's a process we go through to find out the truth. And it is not this mafia talk. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is people speaking rationally, unemotionally about what is necessary for the public to do. I take that very seriously. And the other thing that um, uh, Dr. Alexander shared with me, and you know, the, Maybe to some people, this is a little bit problematic, but, you know, he was there and, and I wasn't and we weren't. So when he tells me this, I think it's important enough to put into the book. But as a senior pandemic advisor, he was given access to the, um, the executive lunchroom at Health and Human Services. So it's during the pandemic there, you know, it's a skeleton crew. You know, you're getting all the heads of the departments there. And, and Dr. Alexander is, is kind of an interesting character because 
He is originally Middle Eastern and North African, um, born and raised in Trinidad, um, emigrated to Canada when he was like uh, 18 or 19 years old. Wow. So he's a dark, he's a dark skinned man. He speaks with a, 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 a charming Caribbean accent. But when these heads of departments saw him and heard him, they just could not wrap their brains around the fact that he might be conservative. Really? And, and, and so they, they would talk to him and they'd go, brother, here's the deal. You don't want to be with Trump. Let me tell you. Here's what's going on. Every day, as the head of my department, my job is to make Trump look as bad as he can on the evening news. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, gee, you know, do you have any evidence of that? And, and you know, I, I mean, that, that's the way, you know, reason I say like, well, what do I do with this information? This is something who's a senior government official told me about it. And I figured like, I'm going to put it in the book because I think it's important for people to know. Um, but I find myself going, if that's true, that's one of the most disturbing things that in the midst of the greatest public health crisis of the past century, heads of departments weren't interested in the public. They were interested in making President Trump look bad. And there's one other thing that he shared with me, which, you know, when you're a writer, you're always looking for that detail mm -hmm. to suggest honesty, to, to say, like, help me understand this. And he talked about how when he would have conversations with these people, they would often use the expression, we in the bureaucracy think. Oh, yeah, I heard that uh, bureaucracy speak all the time. You all fluff the words and everything, but really it's like nothing. It's like a paper tiger defense looks ferocious, but ineffective. Well, it, but, you know, I, I think to myself, you know, that's really an inversion of our form of government because our form of government is we the people, meaning right. we have the power. And, and, and to wrestle with that idea that the bureaucracy doesn't respond to a Republican president or a Democratic president who does you know, doesn't follow the company line is is genuinely terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I keep running across example after example of the same kind of mindset. And, you know, everybody's talking about the Twitter revelations right now. Oh, it, yes. That's been all over the news. I was going to get to that part in just a minute, but continue on what you're doing with um, the part about President Trump and Alexander and everything. This is very interesting. Well, it, it, you, you just you just say to yourself, you know, if everybody thinks the same, you know, the amount of planning you have to do is not quite the same as when you're going, hey, we're really going to do something bad. And so, you know, this idea of narrative poisoning that these people have been terrified um, into believing something is, you know, and they, they've been persuaded by some real high quality persuaders. Mm -hmm. and, and one like, of the, um... well, one of the things that Dr. Paul also was able to do was his office was 
on the sixth floor and on seventh floor was Operation Warp Speed. And so he was often going up and, you know, visiting and talking with the people at Operation Warp Speed. And he said, it was really curious. This is something I've run across in a number of my books. And I, I don't quite know what to do with it other than to, you know, throw it all out there and, you know, maybe others can make sense of it. But he said, there were a lot of different groups. There were the government scientists, there were government officials, there were military people, and then there were people who I who really wouldn't tell you where they were from. But to Dr. Paul, he thought that they were intelligence people. Mm. And he said it was really interesting to, to, to figure out who are these people who are operating on Operation Warp Speed? And it, it kind of as he explained it, and like I said, you know, I'm the writer. I wasn't there. You know, I, I'm tr- abundantly documenting. And every, anytime I can find anything that supports him, I throw it in the book and everything. Um, but he said, looking at the lines of control in Operation Warp Speed, He said it seemed like there was the military, there were the intelligence agencies, and then there was Big Pharma. Mm. And Big Pharma seemed to be calling the shots to the intelligence agencies and the military and the government scientists. Mm. And, and, And so, you know, in many of my books, what I am... I think I'm bumping up against with the big tech books, with the big science books, is this this unholy alliance between big government and big business. So it really seems like the pharma companies are really, the amount of control they have over our government and our media is really unprecedented. Like and, and so we, one of the, the, the interesting things that came up in research for this book, and you know, I like to stick to facts that I can point to where they come from, but here's how you should understand how powerful big science and big pharma are. So in 2020, both political parties spent $5 billion to elect a president of the United States. Okay? So keep that number in mind. However, every year, the National Institutes of Health, which is really Francis Collins and Tony Fauci, and I would say Tony Fauci is the actual leader, but let's <laughs> let's leave that aside. Every year, they give out thirty billion dollars in grants, and and one of the things that Fauci that people don't understand about Fauci is Fauci has been one of the architects of changing science, changing public science. It used to be that you would have independent groups of scientists all doing their research and then they'd say oh let's fund this let's fund that and you get funding from a lot of different sources what what Fauci has done 
over his, I think, 54 years, is he has made it so that people like Francis Collins and himself sit on top of the pyramid. Oh my God. They are the ones who decide how the money gets spent. And so you really have this amazing concentration of power. When you think $5 billion to elect a president of the United States, and these guys have access to $30 billion every single year, maybe the world starts to make a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. The other thing that, that people don't understand is in addition to, you know, the NIH sending out this money, you know, having control over scientists, you have Big Pharma, who spends about $300 million a year lobbying Congress. Their closest competitor is oil and gas at about $150 million. Oh, my goodness. And you have um, the evening news, depending upon who you talk to and whether it's election cycle or not, Big Pharma is is about 50 to 65 percent of the advertise of the marketing dollars going to the evening news. So when you've got people like Fauci who you know love people like Bill Gates and love Big Pharma, and they got control over our money and where it goes, you've got Big Pharma buying Congress, you've got Big Pharma buying the network news and you know this is both cnn and fox Mm -hmm. um you know it's hard for people like me and people like dr alexander when we publish books like this because you know he's definitely got the credentials uh he's one of the leading evidence-based medicine experts in the world uh we could take a bunch of hits i mean dr alexander you know, would wipe the floor with Dr. Fauci and science. And what they do is they simply pretend like we don't exist. Mm-hmm. It's the great silence because, hey, if they came after us, we're good for the fight. They mm-hmm. just, they will not fight with us. They do not want to be on the stage with us. And that's why it's important for your, your, your audience to go out and buy these books and put am- reviews on Amazon because... New York Times, Wall Street Journal, they're not going to review this book. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. I'm I'm ready to buy this book, to be honest with you. I'm ready to uh, go on the phone and do that while I um get one of my representatives to um order the book. And your, um, your four-legged friend, you know, barking about, hey, let's buy this book, by the way. <laughs> I'll talk about <laughs> yeah. that. And if he happens to come in and do so as well, do I get one of my assistants to um order the book? Uh, let's remind everybody, you listen to the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com, powered by Soundcraft Studios. Visit online at soundcrabstudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Soundcrab Studios is the answer. Soundcrab Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition rate. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at soundcrabstudios.com. Mention the Mike Widener Show. Get 20% off your first project. Soundcrab Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give official shout-out to our official sponsor of the Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Molson-Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. It takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target. 
where truth is illusion and those you love will be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson Z has garnered great reviews. And Eve 11 enjoys by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, and many others. So grab your copy today for Girls Missing by Mia Molson Z, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com or over 40 podcast platforms. Heard in 100 countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon. Also on HamiltonRadio.net every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Also on BitChute, Rumble, and other networks coming soon. Take us with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. Follow the Mike Widener Show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok today. And for great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com. Check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. T-shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies. Makes great gifts 24-7. Go to Amazon.com. Check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com slash Mia Molson Zia for great books like Missing, Once, and Wrinkles. Also, T-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, and more. Amazon.com slash Mia Molson Zia. Check it out today. I'll support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and the themikewidenershow.com. Make sure you do so today. We're here with the author of the book, Presidential Takedown, with um, Dr. Paul Elias Alexander-Kent. Heckin' lively here on the Mike Wagner show, and though, yeah, show, show it all you want. So, <laughs> there you go. There you go. I don't mind well, you doing it at all. So, my publisher, my publisher always gets mad at me. He goes, Okay, any interview you do, Ken, you have to flash the book three or four times. <laughs> you know what? Let's take it to the next level. Five, six, seven, eight. If you all hold it up, you know, that's fine too. They'll give you a little workout too. So, <laughs> there you go. So, we got that. And, um, and Ken, just a couple things that kind of popped up before we all go into Twitter. I think you brought up a great point. I thought about where having like um, with big farming, you know, having like what was it like a 30 billion and a presidential um, campaign at 5 billion or something. And um, how much influence do they have on the FDA or is the FDA like, you know, harlots of big farmer? I, mean, you know, th- I just thought of it having big farmer have like almost like a mafia in a sense, too. It's like, you know, how much control do they have over the FDA or, or do the FDA have a say that, you know, hey, can't do this? Well, you know, here's something I, I really like to talk about because, you know, I'm not here for Team Red or Team Blue. I'm here for the American Republic, okay? And, and what has become clear to me is that this narrative poisoning is happening on both the right and the left. So let's let's think about this. If I were to say, what's the difference between a conservative and a liberal? A conservative is pretty comfortable saying, hey, Let's give people a lot of freedom. And if they screw up, they do something wrong, let's throw the book at them. Okay? Kind of a conservative way of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Liberals are like, uh, let's have a couple more guardrails on it, okay? Let's <laughs> let's check things out and, you know, let's be certain before we move. And, that, you know, hey, both, side, both approaches can work. Well, here's how both sides get poisoned. So let's take, like, stocks, for example. And, you know, crazy things happen in corporate America. So we found the Securities and Exchange Commission, okay, supposed to regulate this trade. So so all the liberals are happy because they say, oh, okay, so we got a government agency looking at these things. And, and, you know, the conservatives are a little bit upset about it. But what the liberals don't realize is that those people who work for the Securities Exchange Commission are going to go to work for the exact same people that they were regulating, getting two to three times the amount of money. So liberals have been shortchanged because they think the system works. And, you know, conservatives are told like, oh, you know, that Securities and Exchange Commission, it's 
it's uh, thwarting creativity and everything, you know. And don't worry if something wrong happens, they'll get prosecuted. Well, the 2008 mortgage home mortgage meltdown happened, and who went to jail for that? So, so these powerful entities are co-opting both the right and the left sides of the argument in ways that a lot of people don't quite see. And that, that's why I'm very comfortable talking to people who are liberal about this and saying, hey, look, you want the same thing I want. You want people to be healthy. You know, you, you don't want corporations hurting people. I don't want corporations hurting people. You know, I have a little different perspective on it. Um, but, but, hey, I'll raise my hand and say, hey, the court systems have been corrupted. They have changed the laws so that these guys don't get punished. And if you think that the government agencies are going to take care of things, liberals, I've got something to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I, I'm really trying to craft a message for both sides of the political aisle. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm wishy-washy. I, I'm a moderate. I'm, I'm really pretty darn conservative, okay? Mm-hmm. But, I, but I'm open to the arguments and the observations of people. I'm willing to look at, you know, any evidence you want uh, to look at. You know, I'm not one team or another. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the results. And the result is, you know, we're being lied to and we're being divided mm-hmm. in, in, in ways that we shouldn't be divided because the reason they're keeping us divided and fighting with each other is that so we're not looking at the real enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I get what you're saying, too. And of course, you know, you talked about um, Dr. Alexander, you know, having all this um, correct evidence and um, Dr. Fauci, you know, getting offended and everything like that, you know, having like, you know, meeting of minds face to face and everything like that. Do you think Dr. Fauci's, um, you know, findings uh, were, were not as accurate as um, Dr. Alexander or was it like, you know, Dr. Fauci's was flawed or was Dr. Fauci not um, as uh, educated or, um, or or I'm trying to think of the word or, or as um, intuitive or more detailed as uh, Dr. Alexander? Well, you know, I, I may be kind of a unique person because I've been on the Fauci trail for about a decade now um, because he really was a nemesis of Dr. Judy Mikovits, with whom I wrote and published my first book. And he has wrecked the chronic fatigue syndrome community. Uh, you know, the fact that this disease appeared in the 1980s and we have no answer to it. Um, he did some of the most reprehensible things in all of science by perpetuating this myth that those women who came down with chronic fatigue syndrome were simply women who couldn't hack it in the corporate world. Um, In the HIV AIDS community, he was looked upon as a murderer because he believed in using these AIDS medications only when they were really sick, when the disease was very progressed, rather than as Magic Johnson did, you know, using them upon discovery that, that there is an infection to keep the virus silenced. He pushed things like AZT, which were extremely toxic, um, instead of things like Factrum, which were very mild in their effects. And so 
you know, and what he's done with the autism community has also been terrible. So when I look at Fauci, I say to myself, okay, he's been in charge since 1984. He was behind the effort to move childhood vaccines out of the regular court system into something called the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act in the vaccine court, which is is one of the worst court systems ever devised. It was only devised to help big pharma keep making their money and being able to put out many vaccines without worrying about public outcry over health. So when I look at Fauci, I say he messed up HIV AIDS. He messed up chronic fatigue syndrome. He messed up um, the autism epidemic. And then along came COVID and he did the same thing that he's done in all these other epidemics. And, and so I, I just think that, you know, he, he, he has presided over the unhealthiest generation of Americans in history. I mean, it used to be that about 12% of kids had a chronic health condition back in the 1980s. Now it's what, 52, 53%. Ungodly. Um, and, and, and so I find myself going like, gee, you know, I remember being a kid in the 1970s and thinking, wow, in 2020, life is going to be great. <laughs> and, and, you know, 1970s health compared to today, you know, there, there's really no comparison. You know, we have all these strange diseases, all the, you know, the Alzheimer's and the dementias that are happening. This this ain't normal. And um, it, it's shocking to me that public health officials can keep stoking this fear um, and, and the public falls for it. I mean, I, 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 I hate to say it that way. I, I, I wish I, I could say that the public has been good, but I have to say I'm, I'm quite disappointed in the public and, and how how much like sheep they are. You, you, mm -hmm. You, mm -hmm. <laughs> break free for break free from the flock people. Yeah, really <laughs> from the flock. Uh, too many sheep out there. A lot of wolves disguise in it too, you know, that sort of thing as well too. And um, also one more thing as well too, the, you know, the reports are saying that the um, actual virus, you know, came from China. And uh, of course there's a uh, conflicting reports. I mean, um, did that really come from China or was that too made up by Dr. Fauci by your, by your understanding? Well, it, what's great is, is now I've kind of developed this network of uh, leading virologists. I mean, Dr. Mikevitz, um, you know, uh, Dr. Luke Montagnier was was a big supporter of our books, and he, he actually demanded that I write a chapter about him and ending plague. And I've got Dr. Paul Alexander, and, and um, I've also worked with Dr. Andrew Huff. I worked with Dr. Robert Malone, and and they're all kind of united in saying, "Hey, look, not only did this come from China, this escape from the Wuhan lab, but the thing that." You know, if I'm an honest player, I'm, I'm not just pointing at the other side, right? So China's got a lot of responsibility to bear. But we have a lot of responsibility to bear, too. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this crap. We gave them a bunch of the precursors to COVID-19. And, you know, when all of this shakes out, it's, 
It's that China was stupid. We were stupid. Um, and a lot of these scientists, I, I, I talk about them as existing, wanting to exist as an elite above us. Mm-hmm. And, and whether they're scientists from China or the United States or Britain or Iran or Ukraine or Russia, they're kind of the same kind of crazy. They want to play with their toys, their dangerous toys in their labs. And then when they when they escape, they, they don't want to take responsibility for it. You know, that- and, and it, it's kind of like H1N1. Everybody hears about H1N1. But you can find some pretty reliable evidence, and I, I believe it's even been admitted by the United States government, that H1N1 escaped from a Russian lab. And so I find myself going, should we be talking about what the heck are these people doing in these? It's labs? like it's a, how to escape in the first place. That's what you wonder. Well, but or it's so-called. also kind of like you're you're playing with you're playing with monsters. Okay, I mean, gain of function research means nothing less than how do I make this virus kill more or be more transmissible. Whenever mm-hmm. you hear gain of function, you should say, that's what it is. How can I kill more? How can I infect more? That's mm-hmm. what they're doing in their labs. Ah, to make money that way. That's been the Fauci secret. So, yeah, it's a, it's also a part of the book uh, by uh, Kent Heckenlively, uh, Heckenlively presidential takedown on the Mike Wagner show. And uh, what's coming up for... Um, Kent as well, too. I'll find out just one minute along with Twitter. You listen to the Mike Wagner Show at the themikewagnershow.com, powered by Sonic Web Studios, and brought to you by our official sponsor, the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Moses, you have missing. We'll be back with author Kent Heckenlively of Presidential Takedown after this time. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention The Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real-life relationship. It's just, it's well-written. It's amazing. You know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter, and it's very well done. I'm going to highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshazia. He is the author of Missing. And I want to give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamotionzea.com. Missing, available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley, and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, this is Ray Powers, and boy, are you in luck. Right place, right time. Tuned in to The Mike Wagner Show. You heard me. We're back with author Kent Hecken Lively, a presidential takedown here on the Mike Widener Show. A lot of great insight, Kent, and um, you know, love to have you back. And uh, you talk about the books. And uh, speaking of um, upcoming books, so what can we expect from you in 2023 and beyond, Kent? So I, I've got two books coming out in 2023, at least, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't sleep. Um, 
So uh, I've got this. This was CNN. How Sex, Lies, and Spies Undid the World's Worst News Network. That'll be coming out February 7th, 2023. And I just handed in to my publisher a book that I worked with on a fourth Project Veritas whistleblower, David Johnston. And that book will be called The Diversity Scam, um, uh, How the Left is Destroying the Dream of Martin Luther King. Mm. And so... It's uh, it, it's been a busy couple months, and uh, I've got a couple other books that are brewing, but but none of them written yet. So those two definitely coming out. And we'll certainly keep our fingers crossed, and we'll definitely have you back on that one, Kent. And uh, who do you consider biggest influence in your career? Biggest influence in my career? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that, this may sound a little bit strange, but I consider Nelson Mandela to be an enormous influence on me. You know, his philosophy of doing things. Um, I, I love how he was a man with principles. And yet when he would meet with his adversaries, he would be as kind and friendly as possible. But you knew he had a spine of steel. Uh, and strangely, this will sound crazy, but my life is crazy. I was on a plane flight a little while ago, and I ended up sitting next to a 50-year diplomat who had wow. been head of head of the mission at in South Africa during that time. And so I, I said, "Oh my God, you've got to tell me Nelson Mandela stories." And and he 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 at that time, this diplomat, his name is John Blaney. And he was he was either going to go from South Africa to some beautiful tropical island in the Indian Ocean or war torn Sierra Leone, where he mm. would be ambassador. And so he, he, he talked to Mandela about this. And Mandela said, John, you know what I wanted to be when I was a young man? And he goes, no, Madiba, what did you want to be? And he said, I wanted to be the South African boxing champion. <laughs> <laughs> he said, that's what I wanted to be. But John, there was something I had to do, which is the life I'm living now. So I know you want to go to your beautiful tropical island, but you must go to Sierra Leone. And so he did, and he was actually one of the people who negotiated the ceasefire, you know, of the civil war in which hundreds of thousands of people died. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, when I think of who I want to be thought of, or let me say, I want to aspire to be like Nelson Mandela. I want, I aspire to be somebody like the Dalai Lama, who, you know, is confronting China but is doing it with love and compassion and, and truth. I, and, and I stand here that, you know, my heart is based not on hatred, not on anger, but the intent to do good in the world. Mm, I like that philosophy. I like that. And, and yet you're not a boxer yet, though. <laughs> but I did take up boxing recently. So, you know. 
Oh, oh, there you go. I'm sure somebody's got to fight Mike Tyson one day. So <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that'll be another time as well, too. And what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point? Uh, just keep reading. Just keep an open mind. Uh, don't close your mind. Be friendly. You know, be good to the people in your life. I mean, you know, it's it, I think a lot of times we, we think about like all these world changing events, you know, be nice to the people you see every day. Mm hmm. And that's very important as well, too. And we really do need that at this time. We're with author uh, Kent Heckin-Lively of uh, Presidential Takedown here on the Mike Wagner Show with Dr. Paul Lies Alexander. Kent, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely fantastic. Definitely have you on and uh, talk about your books and um, everything else as well, too. And uh, keep in touch and uh, keep us up to date. Once again, what's your website? How do people contact you? And where can people purchase or check out your book, Presidential Takedown? You can find my books at www.kentheckandlivelybooks.com. You can find me on Twitter at Presidential Takedown. All right. We will certainly do so. And don't forget to show the book as well to remind everybody. So we will have that. And once again, Kent, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely amazing. Learned a lot. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Live at back. And wish you all the best. And Kent, you definitely have a great future ahead of you. <laughs> okay thanks so much the mike wagner show is powered by sonic web studios if you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today mention the mike wagner show and get 20 percent off your project Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real life relationship. It's just, it's well written. It's amazing. You know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter and it's very well done. I'm gonna highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshe Zia, he is the author of Missing. And I wanna give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamoshenzea.com. Missing, available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley, and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Mike Wagner Show. Brought to you by international award-winning author Mia Mosin-Zia of Missing. And powered by Sonic Web Studios. Be sure to join us again on over 40 podcast platforms. And of course, on the themikewagnershow.com, hamiltonradio.net, and Diamonds FM. Don't forget to support our program with a generous donation at themikewagnershow.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>